Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is, can we just talk about... Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Uh, fresh off my bachelor trip in New Orleans, where I had a couple too many hurricanes and lost my voice. So I will sound like this the rest of the episode and will no doubt deteriorate from here on forward. Nicole Davis, how are you? Good. You probably had better hurricanes than the last ones I had, which were made in a college dorm room trash can oh, and no, stirred no. with a hockey stick. <laughs> so... Uh, Good Lord. Yeah. Good Lord, Nicole. <laughs> Twenty, like 21-year-old Nicole was lit, apparently. Oh, no, this was last week. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, we went to Pat O'Brien's. We did it the right way, and uh, and those things are dangerous, especially oh, yeah. when you're yelling all night because you can't hear anyone. So um, the voice is coming back. David Luzader, how are you doing? I am doing well. Happy to be here as always. Uh, or is it me? I don't know. I'm wearing a mask on the top half of my face. Oh my god. Okay, we'll talk about the whole. <laughs> we'll talk about the whole lost guy thing. This uh, theme is is a newer one for us. I think this is only the third or fourth time we've gone through it. Can we just talk about was each of us picking ten films that we really wanted to talk about that didn't fit neatly or at all into any of the other categories? And because we we found ourselves like there's a movie that's just a couple years outside of future classics or one person on the panel has seen it beside ourselves and it can't be a new to two or whatever. We wanted to open up the box to allow us to talk about some of our favorite movies, movies that we really want to talk about. There's some things in can we just talk about that are not even necessarily great movies. We just really want to talk about them. So that gives us the opportunity to do that. Uh, this was one of David's because we do spin a wheel on those 30 movies to then pick what we're going to watch to keep a little element of randomization in there because this is replacing netflix roulette if you're a long-time listener and david you chose 2008's speed racer before we get into speed racer do you have a pick for next week it's double david weeks uh it's with with future classics next week a movie that's come out in the last 10 years that you deem a classic Okay, yes, I believe I do, but somebody needs to remind me, because I, I just went through a whole big list of kind of recent-ish movies. Did We haven't done Knives Out on here, have we? We have not. No, but I'm so excited we okay. are now. Then we're doing Knives Out next week. All right. Oh, I love it. And we have the new Knives Out title. I think it's called Glass Onion. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, in Greece. Odd, but okay. <laughs> it is odd, but I'm excited. All right, uh, Knives Out next week for future classics. Be sure to check that out. But... This week was Speed Racer, came out in 2008. Young Driver Speed Racer, because that's his name, Speed Racer, yeah, aspires to be a champion of the racing world with help from his family and his high-tech Mach 5 automobile. David, I, I'd never seen this before. It was interesting to see it for the first time. Tell us why you picked this for uh, Can We Just Talk About? Okay, well, uh, so I thought this is a movie that just can garner some kind of interesting discussion. It is a movie that flopped when it came out, but has since kind of gained a little bit more recognition, um, like a little bit of a cult following and also some recognition within the filmmaking world itself. I was a fan. I was going to say big fan, but that's such a lie. I was a fan of the cartoon a little bit growing up. And so I actually hadn't seen this until the last couple of years when Phil Rude and I did it on Brokebot Mountain. And I was just like, oh, it's actually like a, a pretty interesting movie to talk about. So I thought that it would give us, and that was like four or five years ago. So, you know, I'm kind of forgetting whatever I said then. So I thought right. like, it'll give us some interesting, I just think some interesting stuff to talk about. I know the movie is not the best <laughs> uh, before Brett comes in here swinging with his <laughs> hot takes. I understand the movie's flaws. But I think that there is still a lot here that is, at the very least, interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, my um, my reaction to this movie was initially very volatile, and uh, it it has tempered a little bit in the last hour and change as I've sat with it. First and foremost, I, I need to understand that uh, there's a monkey in this family. You can't huh? just not explain that to me. <laughs> like I haven't seen the cartoon. I don't understand why they have a monkey. I don't think they ever explained the monkey in the cartoon. What? Yeah. Jim Jim's just there for appealing to the little kid. The monkey's just there. You know, yeah. segment. 
That is insanity. I love it. I, I do love Jim Yeah, Jim. It was not uncommon yeah. for cartoons in like the late 60s, early 70s to just randomly have an animal. It's so weird. Yeah, it was just, yeah, that just there, like Nicole said, for the little kids to be like, it's a monkey. Okay. All right. You know, I, if that's what that is, sure. <laughs> I just think it's funny that like there's, no, there's nothing else like that. Right. Like, I don't see anyone else with like family primates or or something similar it's just the monkey right mm -hmm. and i mean you know they don't have even any passing dialogue to explain it like oh you know i None. haven't been this excited since the day we adopted chim chim from right. the zoo right. that was closing down or you know something <laughs> right the, the the first it's just 50, there nicole had you seen this before no had you watched the cartoon ever no Okay, Ooh, so you're just as blind like, to this as I was then. Yeah, I watched a little bit this afternoon to try to see if I could get any comparisons. And I I couldn't find any, like, direct comparison videos, you know, side by oh, side. Here's Speed Racer the movie versus Speed Racer the anime series from yeah. 1967. I, I didn't watch it a ton growing up, but, like, I would catch it just occasionally here. I don't even know on, like, what channel. I remember it, it being on Cartoon and, Network. It, it, might, it might have been Cartoon Network. Um, and like each episode, it was just like picks up like speeds in the middle of this crazy race. And then the episode is just about whatever happens in this section of the race. And then like the episode ends, like what's going to happen next time? And so I have no like continuity for the actual show. Uh, I just have like the little piece, pieces that I would pick up like here and there over time. Right. Yeah. Jumping into this is is a fever dream. Like, the first the first 20 minutes of this movie as you become accustomed it's kind of like watching and and nicole you put in our docket you know a new cinematic language question mark and, and i want to dive into that because one thing i noticed is like the first again first 20 minutes is just this fever dream of color and intensity and this they did a very compelling job with green screens to make all the backgrounds look really flat and comic or, or cartoony, but there's live action living within it. It's all very weird. Like this movie looks quite unlike anything I think I've ever seen before. I think it reminded me a little bit, not that I haven't seen these movies either, but I've seen previews and, you know, trailers and whatnot. They looked a little like the spy kids movies. Oh, <laughs> like, was this made <laughs> in Robert Rodriguez's garage? We should watch spy uh, kids. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we want to get to it right now, but it appears from the research that I did today that they did this very deliberately, that this is meant to look, it's meant to have the visual language of cartoons, but with live action elements to it. It's like it's a, it's a 2D cartoon with, you know, 3D type elements in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is very weird, you know, because like if you watch cell animation, you've got multiple layers, you know, you've got the be this beautiful painted backdrop and right. then maybe you'll have something in the, the middle ground moving a little bit. And then you have the main character, you know, being animated on top of everything. And that way they could save money by just painting one background and sort of, you know, pulling it past you <laughs> as you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely... It's definitely a movie, yeah, right, you were saying, like, visually kind of unlike anything else. And I, I think, like, absolutely it, it kind of is. It's very heavy, like, CGI use. Um, yeah, and, almost entirely, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's been 14 years since it came out. So, like, sure, CGI is not holding up um, as great. But I think it's just, it's so stylized that there's like other movies yeah. like from the you know like it, it doesn't look as bad as it like probably could over time mm -hmm. because like it has such like panache to it and like yeah it, the cars look a little bit ridiculous at times but it's just like there's so much color on the screen yeah. <laughs> at all times there's so yeah. much to look at this has to be i didn't i thought oh sorry that's <laughs> just i was just thinking no, i might have a new i might have a new disc i need to bring to the tv store now to check for <laughs> to, to try for color color saturation yeah. on the screen there you go because before it go. was the fall i thought that was where yeah. most color 
you know, color intensive films I've ever seen. But this, this beats it. I have to admit, because it's all artificially pumped up color in addition to the sets being eye-popping primary and secondary right. colors. The few sets that they have. Oh, my gosh. The, yeah, the contrast levels on everything in this movie are through the roof. And I didn't really quite register it because there's these opening scenes where you have like the race and they're doing this really interesting thing where they're they're bouncing back and forth between Speed and his older brother who had died. Who had died. Um, you know, doing the same race, right? And like it bounces back and forth between them. And it's actually a very cool opening. It's filmed in a really unique way. And then it cuts to him in the classroom. And, you know, Susan Sarandon, his mom, is being chided by the uh, by the teacher by how, you know, poorly her son is performing because all he cares about is speed. Um, <laughs> and then they go outside and he gets in the car with his older brother. And that's when I, to me, it was almost like I was watching like Space Jam or something like that, where all of a sudden they're in this like, borderline cartoon world mm. but they're live action within it and it reminds me a little bit of the conversations we had when we watched uh, scott pilgrim versus the world like that movie injects the comic book medium into it in a really unique way and i i have to give it to the wachowskis like they they did that certainly with it it feels like you're watching saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. yeah and like an era too like this movie came out in the the late 2000s when like you know the marvel cinematic universes that was popping off but like so much of that at the time was like let's what if this was the real world and they were like what if this was uh the 60s but somehow the future and (laughs) it was just bright lights everywhere yeah you could do like a jetson style live action movie in this style you know um I will say the color grading is like a giant Excedrin commercial for me. I just had <laughs> such a headache after watching this movie because everything is so bright and in your face and fast moving. And there's so much. Gosh, the longest camera shot of this movie must be like two seconds. It's just going and going and going, but also somehow very long. Yeah, this must <laughs> uh, have been an incredible uh, editing chore to do to put together. I know, I'm sure. I'm I sure. can't imagine because even in like scenes like, for instance, it does this like. I don't even know how to describe it besides, I guess, Saturday morning cartoons where he'll be racing and then people's faces will like pop up and like fly across the screen and stuff like it does these like commentators and people reacting to the race overlaid on top of it. And there's just so much sensory overload. But yeah, but I, I, I like the, they, they use those as transitions in some of those yeah. shots. And I, I really enjoyed there was some cleverness there. Oh, there was a lot of cleverness in the transition. Yeah, no, it is really clever. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you move back and forth in time and place and change from one character's perspective to another. And they do it very smoothly. And I never felt lost. I always could follow what they were doing with it. Yeah. I I was kind of reminded a little bit of another movie we did, the suicide squad. Cause there's that scene where the, the, I can't remember the rat, it's not the rat catcher. I forget what her, is it the rat? Whatever. Anyway, she is like giving her background and she's like talking on the bus and she kind of like turns to the side and there's like the visual in the window back there. Oh, of Taika yeah, sure. Watiti. There's like several times in this movie where people do that, where there's kind of like, they start talking and it like, it goes into a profile shot and what's happening is like appearing behind them. Uh, and I was just, I was very much reminded of that. Oh yeah. Especially like the, the main bad guy the you know the first guy that tries to woo him into joining his squad royalton yes yeah royalton he he does the whole like i'm maniacal and i'm gonna rhapsodize about how evil i am for a couple minutes on screen and there's gonna be cutaways to the past and Mm -hmm. i i I did appreciate how they like let him be evil really early on with within a couple minutes of this movie he's like oh yeah i'm gonna drop the act i'm horrible like that was fun (laughs) versus like this keeping up the charade of him being this philanthropic, wonderful man. Oh, right. Um, and kudos to Roger Allum, the actor who portrayed Royalton for just yeah. being so incredibly evil and smarmy and smug. And I think yeah. the only rival I can think of for that would be uh, Kevin. Shoot. He was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, okay. <laughs> all, all Roger Allen needed was a big mustache 
Oh my gosh. Literally at the end of this movie, when he loses, he angrily, instead of flipping a table, he flips a ice sculpture. It is the most (laughs) unnecessarily comedic bad guy. I, 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 I do love it. Oh, it's Kevin McCarthy is who I'm thinking of. Gotcha. Is the actor who's just so good at being evil. <laughs> and that's that's who Roger Allen reminds me of in this movie. He just sneers so expressively. He does nail it. Uh, and, and David, you, we mentioned this a little bit, but when people mention a live action cartoon, this movie is always what you think of. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's yeah, uh, <laughs> it's visually, um, you know, like a live action cartoon, but also in like I'll transition us into one of Nicole's topics here. Physics. What physics? They just <laughs> embrace, you know, they're not like, like, OK, how can we make like make it make sense? That the cars can do all these things. They're just like, nope, cars jump. Nope cars uh sword fight each other yeah it goes it goes pretty rocket league <laughs> yeah and the way the cars drift on the racetracks it's like all the cars are only front wheel drive like only the front <laughs> wheels are like pulling the cars along and the back wheels are just sort of there <laughs> the way the back yep. end swings every time they take a turn but you know i absolutely give the vfx artists credit in that the cars all look like they have weight. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't just look like they're floating randomly and in wherever they want to go. It, They appear to be large, heavy vehicles that could cause some serious damage when they hit things. Yeah. I, I have to imagine, like, working on VFX for this movie had to actually be, like, I'm sure it was a pain in some ways because there's 10 million right. VFX shots. But it had to, like, be nice to do something that wasn't like, okay, and here's a big gray spaceship in the sky. <laughs> and, you know, like, here's generic looking alien. Like, this was probably the most interesting assignment some VFX artists got in, yeah. in a long time. And some graphic designers apparently... In researching this today, they had to design more than 100 vehicles. Oh, yeah. And then to put on vehicles, they had to design somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 logos from fake companies to slap on some of the cars to be their sponsorships. So, yeah. So, so massive outside. And then they hired video game designers to do the racetracks. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they, sh- they should have. It feels like Mario Kart, you know, meets yeah. Sonic. It's it's yeah, I could totally see that. Right, right. So I mean, what a huge, huge task, and that's why the end credits are like ten minutes long to right, credit yeah. all the, all the <laughs> There's a lot companies. a lot of names to throw in there. Oh yeah, I'm sure that that probably eighteen VFX companies had to work on this. I'll bitch about the Wachowskis later because I have, but with that said, they surely must bring the most interesting projects to David's point to visual effects artists, you know, say what you want about their movies. They are compelling visually at the very least. I mean, we watched Jupiter ascending on this podcast and Which it one is one of us likes it's a very pretty movie. It's a very yes. pretty movie. I'm just looking at the looking at the sheet here, and you want me to surround my lacunas with bees? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, you don't gotta pull my arm. Yeah, I mean, Nicole, you mentioned like the jumping jacks on like the jumping jacks on the cars. And I want those. There's, I there's want those so like, bad. <laughs> really fun little modification, especially when they like sign him up for the cross country race, and they're modifying his car to make it bulletproof, and and so that they can't slash the tires. Like, there, there's so many fun little video gamey-esque upgrades that they're adding to all their vehicles two cars sword fight <laughs> as yeah. they're driving like they're not in control the people driving right. aren't like don't have little joysticks it is the two cars are like trying to attack each other right <laughs> and those buttons are straight out of the cartoon mm-hmm. yeah they yeah. are uh and a lot of like a lot of the stuff that I, we see the the mock six do was like stuff that he did in the cartoon as well yeah i i do love the story what little story this movie has the whole like dynasty of the, the the speed racer family or i guess the racers is is cool i love that it's just like john goodman is the patriarch of this family that builds their own cars and they race their own cars and they're all really passionate about it 
it's a really cool little family that you get insight into with a monkey. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, I mean, they're, you know, they're the mom and pop operation in what commentary there yeah. is, as you were saying, uh, they are the mom and pop <laughs> operation of like big racing and like they build the best cars cause they've got that gumption and spirit and everyone else is like, they're trying to do it for the, the brand, you know, they're, they're doing, doing it for the yeah. vine. Corporations equals evil. Yeah, it's not <laughs> subtle. It's not subtle in its in, in what it's saying. Yeah, they literally go through the corporation and it looks like a Willy Wonka ride, like where these where there's people like doing jumping jacks on the side of the road and there's like Oompa Loompas at one point. It's just all over the place. It's it's wild. Uh, this is one of the biggest problems I have with the movie though, is that it's it's visually made well, it's visually made to appeal to everybody, but, you know, mainly kids. It's the stylization, mm-hmm. the earnestness are all kind of hallmarks of things that are aimed at children. And then just like the Phantom Menace, which you mentioned in our Slack, <laughs> Brett, the big evil plot point is corporate espionage, basically. Uh-huh. And yeah. kids do yeah, not. Yeah, they indict him on. Kids do not give two hoots about corporate espionage. It's boring as hell as a plot driver for the yeah. film. Listen, Nicole. <laughs> when I was a kid watching Phantom Menace, I thought the trade blockade was very scary. <laughs> I sure uh, yeah. you did. And menacing, <laughs> just ruining Naboo's economic infrastructure from I the mean, ground honestly, up. It's... Uh, no, yeah, it, it's I, the reason I mentioned Phantom Menace is because. Weirdly, I couldn't stop thinking about the prequels while watching this, and I think it's because the prequels have so much of that zany, we're filming all of this in a green warehouse look. Pod racing! Um, Particularly, (laughs) yes, I thought of pod racing while watching this. I thought of those scenes where the scene I kept going back to is Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan jumps out the window to chase Jango's um, murder bot after it almost kills Padme. And then Anakin goes and gets a sp- the, the the yellow speed racer to chase him, and to then Obi Wan jumps into it, and they're flying around Coruscant in this epic chase. That reminded me so much of this movie visually. Okay. I literally remember almost nothing about episodes two and three. Episode one I remember because my <laughs> kids watched it about five hundred times, but. Episodes two and three, I watched once a piece in the theater and then like half an hour of one of them in a bar. And <laughs> you know, you know, saying this, you're just going to end up with like, you did this to us, attack of the clothes. Yeah, that's fine. Like it's going to happen now. I can talk about the memes. I just, but I, uh, I can see myself remembering this much better. I understand. Than remembering <laughs> the just visual uh, noise of episodes two and three <laughs> to to go to go back for a moment about the like kids don't care about the like the corporate espionage, uh, the corporate espionage stuff <laughs> and trade which, generations like, absolutely it's true i feel like in where star wars like really failed like they tried to make that be the whole point when like no I want to see, like, it's funny because, like, thinking back on when I was 10 years old, I'm like, yeah, like, it's Jedi and the Sith, and that's so cool. And going back and watching, I'm like, this was the plot of the movie? I I want to (laughs) see the Jedi and the Sith. Um, Where I feel like here, they were like, well, he needs to do a lot of racing, but he can't just race the whole time. (laughs) Like, there needs to be something (laughs) going on. There has to be a reason. (laughs) Yeah, there has to be an antagonist. Yeah, and, like, like, to the movie's credit, at one point, Speed Racer literally says, yeah. <laughs> I don't care about corporate espionage. I don't care. I am just here to race, and this is a means to an end, which, as David said, is the reason that side plot exists. Yeah, Speed Speed himself like doesn't really care. It's just like the writers no. had to be like, there has to be some reason all, this, all these races are happening and people want to kill him. Yeah, I got about halfway through this movie, and I was like, oh, that's Into the Wild guy, but younger. Yeah, Neil Hirsch. Um, yeah. Took me a second. Uh, I do want to briefly talk about. Uh, so, Racer X, who is, you know, spoiler alert, ends up really being his long lost brother. Um, this movie has been, was in production for, through different directors and screenwriters over the course of almost 20 years, well into the early 90s, at which point people like J.J. Abrams did screenwriting for it. 
um, that never got made. Henry Rollins was offered the role of Racer X at one point in the <laughs> 90s. And also such names as Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage and Johnny Depp. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm sure Nicolas Cage would have loved doing that. Oh, Nick Cage would have eaten Racer X up. Yeah. Are you kidding? He could have rolled with it. Um, Alfonso Cuaron at one point was going to direct this movie. Like <laughs> the amount of talent that was attached to this idea for all the years is pretty wild. Like this, there was desire to make this. And now that I think about it, it's probably because all these directors who were in their forties and fifties in the nineties and two thousands grew up watching speed racer. Did you mention, I, I can't remember if I heard it. Did you mention Vince Vaughn that, Vince Vaughn was supposed to be Racer X, yeah. Vince Vaughn, like, tried to, like, just a few years before this movie came out, was, like, really trying to get this project going. And yep. it, it ended up not working, but he was cast as Racer X. I, I will say, I think Nick Cage would have been fun. I think Keanu Reeves would have been a really great Racer X. Yeah, I could see that. I think Matthew Fox does okay. Oh, Matthew Fox is fine. And I, and I like Matthew Fox just fine. I mean, he does what the role needs him to do yes. perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the visual resemblance to the original cartoon, Racer X, is pretty close, actually. He's got the right face shape. He really does. It. He um, really does. Ditto with Emile Hirsch as yeah. Speed Racer. Yeah. Yeah. I the agree. casting so. in general, like visually, is pretty, like, pretty spot on it's pretty good it is good i agree and, and i you know i just kind of like everyone in the roles <laughs> i think you can tell that some people are really having fun being in this movie i feel like john goodman is one of them again i messaged to you guys at one point that i felt like john goodman was his back must have hurt carrying the emotional weight of this movie all by himself because i feel like the patriarch that is trying to keep his racing family together and dealing with the loss of his of his oldest son and watching you know the next one follow in his footsteps and and you know it's there's something about John Goodman's character that has a lot of heart in this movie and I don't know if this movie's chock full of heart for me but I think he brings it for me yeah I like John Goodman in this movie I, I Phil and I, I remember talking a lot about John Goodman uh, when when we first talked about it. He doesn't phone it in. You got to give the man. He does not phone no, it in. No, although they, I do wish they had dyed his mustache to match his hair better. Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that mustache is real and not flattering. Uh, no, no yeah. not his, not his best look. No, uh, no, no, but though you know. still not, still not as bad as his rat tail from oh, what's the Denzel movie? Um, uh, where he's the pilot. Because he, uh, John Goodman plays the the drug dealer, and he has like a rat tail in that movie. A flight, flight. Wow, that's weird. Oh yeah, that's a bad look. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, another you know unexpected casting: Susan Sarandon doing the best with what little she has to work with. Yeah, it's not much. <laughs> it's not really, much. and I mean, really she just goes much. from. Wow, I'm I'm so supportive. I'm here for you. I'm here to support this family. To oh, I'm worried. I'm worried that yep. something will happen. And she never seems like oh my goodness, my oldest son died in a horrible <laughs> right. accident. I'm in mourning. Yeah. That part never seems to happen. Yeah, yeah. She's just like I mean... patting poor little Speed on the back comforting yeah. him after his brother dies but she's she doesn't seem to bother her that much <laughs> the, yeah the only one that's got really any emotional weight is definitely uh john goodman like even speed himself is like i'm chasing after my brother right. i want to be the best racer but like that's kind of it like there's a little bit when he's when he's driving around the empty track um which yeah. is a scene i actually do like <laughs> when he's driving on that empty track but they're like him and Christina Ricci together, just like, whatever. Yeah. The, uh, the thing is, from the bits I saw today from the cartoons, Speed Racer was kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, he's not a nice uh -huh. 100%. <laughs> person. He's not a he's not a likable person, which is, you know, Emile Hirsch just brings natural likability to the role. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he's just so fresh-faced and wholesome looking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just 
Yeah. Speed's whole thing was like, I got to go fast. Like he's, you know, he's Sonic in a car, essentially. Right. It's just like, I got to right. win the race in like nothing, literally nothing else matters. Right. And then the commentator over that is like speed. And then there's Racer X. Who is Racer X? I don't know. Looks a lot like Speed Racer's brother, though, if you ask me. Like that was <laughs> basically the narrator's job anytime <laughs> Racer X was on screen. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's rip off that Band-Aid. It's super clear. That Racer X is his brother from the moment he steps on screen. It was super clear in the cartoon. They could not paint it enough for you in the cartoon. Well, the cartoon, he's literally like wearing a shirt that's painted the same as Speed Racer's car. It's got it's white. It's got the big M on it. (laughs) Why does it have an M? Is it for Mach? Is that it? Uh, Yeah, because it's the Mach Mach 5. That's why it has the M. Yes, because they go through different mocks in the family. And but I, I did love that he has that mic drop moment on his younger brother when he pulls off the mask and it's I not love him. That. I yeah. love that they build that up and he takes the mask off and and Emil Hirsch Speed Racer's like I don't know who you are. Yeah, uh, there's that, that was great. There's a great moment in one of the Justice League car. It may have been Justice League Unlimited where I think Lex Luthor got put in the Flash's body and he goes up to Amir. He's like, finally, I'm going to see who this is. And he takes off the Flash's mask and looks at Amir. He's like. I have no idea who this is. I just like had that very <laughs> similar energy of like, I'm going to figure it all out. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that, which made me even sadder when we had the final scene of the movie that shows him faking his own death and like exploding his car, watching his funeral in a black trench coat from behind a tree 20 feet away, <laughs> like undergoing some sort of intensive surgery on his face to turn him into the guy from Lost. Um, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, man. What? He had to go undercover for the government doing sure. the exact same thing he was doing before. <laughs> <laughs> Living like almost the same life, but nobody in his family can know who he is, I guess, because it's so dangerous. But but also if he's going to... Wi- okay, we're going to have to break this down a little bit. If he's already going to wear a mask, why why a whole different face? Then what functionally is the point of the cosmetic surgery? Ah, uh, masks get damaged, I guess. You, you're not. asking some great <laughs> questions. At least in the the cartoon right. show, they would, you know, because in that in the cartoon show, when cars crash, you never see that driver again. Those things explode. They catch fire. <laughs> they go off of cliffs. Mm-hmm. This at least. I loved that they made abundantly clear that there's some sort of driver safety system. Yes. Where the they get gel sort of wrapped thing. up in yeah. bubbles and ejected yeah, yeah, out of the car. So I liked that, that it, it reassures you right off the bat. So you can really enjoy watching the car crashes and not feel guilty. <laughs> right. You're not like these, yeah, these people go. are all dying. It's just like, oh, they're fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, how are they getting recovered on that cross-country road trip uh, when they get launched in the middle of the desert? I don't know. Yeah. But remember, that's like the, the rapscallion scoundrel you know, race, according to John Goodman. It's not the legit race. So there is going to be some, some sketchy stuff going on in that, that race. That has some people like Grey Ghost and Snake <laughs> Oiler yeah. uh, and Cruncher Block. It felt like the pod racing. It really did. <laughs> like they all of these outlandish vehicles, and they're all trying to sabotage each other. Um, back to our unexpected casting, just briefly. Yeah, a shaft shows up. <laughs> Richard Roundtree's here, just for like a brief moment, twice. I was like, yeah, the guy who won the Grand Prix in '43. Huh, that was him. Yeah. 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 Richard Roundtree shows up, and I'm just like, oh, huh, oh. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I, I always I always forget this every time. There's also this guy, uh, Rain, is in this movie. Yes. Yeah, uh, he's Rain. a Korean pop star or yeah, former he's... pop star. Um, Still Korean. He had a song at least a couple years ago oh, all right. uh, with, with JYP, which was – it was a pretty good song. Um, But yeah, like it's this guy, like total big like Korean star. And then – he wasn't super big back then, but like putting him in this movie is just like, oh, okay, it's just a, it's just a guy. Right. And then I think right, right after this, he did Ninja Assassin, which. Yeah. That's a fun Ooh. one. <laughs> it's not never good, seen it, but it's fun. <laughs> oh, okay. I always just so, thought it was bad. I never saw it. Yeah. Apparently, the thing that I found out today that amused me is JYP resisted 
signing him on for a long time because he was quote unquote too ugly the, for them. I'm just they, like, wait, they, wait, what? They, yeah, JYP, <laughs> do you have room to say that? Uh, not, not to say that JYP is oh, like they just look very similar. Uh, and they did a song together like a year ago. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's no. fine. JYP wears wow. plastic pants. I'm not. There is a picture. It is weird. Yeah. To be clear, JYP is a guy. It's not just the name of the production company. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> right. Right. So the Racer X reveal we just talked about, you know, you had mentioned, David, uh, in our docket that, you know, it feels so cliche. And I was making fun of it because it is so cliche, even though the anime really helped launch that trope to begin with. Yeah, it's like, you know, it was the 60s. That wasn't a thing that, that people were doing as much in like now it's like, oh, OK, great. But it's like, <laughs> it, yeah, that it started back then. Not like now that this originated yeah. it, but it was like not as common. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, he's like a, something else I want to talk about is. Oh, sorry, it's just like he's like the f- no, right Felix ahead. Leiter in James Bond. You know, he occasionally pulls Bond into adventures, and he's sort of like part ally, part rival mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. He still wants to beat Speed in the races. You're right. Right. Another element I want to talk about is the music of this film. They managed very well, and I should have had the composer's name up. Michael Giacchino. There we go. Always a good default to pick because <laughs> he does yeah. about 50 yeah. scores a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, perfect. Um, credit where credit's due, it feels like Saturday morning cartoons music. There are these weird like jingling sounds and jangles that happen almost like they're collecting coins or something in a video game when they're driving. And there's not a lot of the only recognizable soundtrack song I can recognize is Freebird. During the scene when the littlest brother is wreaking havoc in the facility right, with the golf cart, the the corporate. Yeah, I hate Freebird. I just gotta have to put that in the world <laughs> out there. Freebird is a terrible song. Larry Skinner's a terrible band. Wow. So Ooh, you can email fired. us at hi. Eight, nope, they ran the Confederate flag behind them during shows. They oh, suck. Yeah. Email <laughs> me hi at mgrpodcast.com. <laughs> Michael Giacchino, though, great composer. Did some yeah. some stuff like The Incredibles, which is still oh very my, cool. You know, okay. I would say sort of close-ish kind of to this but you know like that real jazzy kind of sound but like yeah you think of a pop uh, movie in the last 10 years if you list 10 at least two to three of those were probably scored by michael giacchino wow okay i had no idea that's really interesting um no i just wanted to call it out because i thought it, i thought it really was a a well-fitting score for the type of movie oh, yeah. it was and it does a nice orchestral adaptation of the original speed racer theme which yeah. is ba, ba, da, weirdly ba, ba, da, ba, ba, da, ba, ba. i don't know like weirdly mm, like folksy it's not like the sharp jazziness <laughs> that i'm used to from hearing things from the 60s it's I was expecting something more in the the tone of like Thunderbirds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Like that kind of weird jazziness, but this yeah. is much more go speed racer, go. You know, it's just like yeah. happy harmony. It, right. It's almost like it's almost <laughs> like a commercial jingle right. sort of sound. Yeah. Right. It totally is. So I do want to talk a little bit about the Wachowskis. You know, they they made this movie and they make such interesting choices in movies. So my problem with them, to throw it out to the panel, is that I think they have a tendency to indulge in their worst impulses and they don't really check and balance each other. And they just go balls to the wall on really bad ideas sometimes and no one is there to stop them and it makes really long movies. I think that's my number one problem with them is that visually I think they're incredible artists I think they've created some masterful stories and they have made more movies than good movies in my mind that I've had to sit through and think, oh my God, when is Cloud Atlas going to end? <laughs> because it just it, goes on and on and on and on. And I could not believe how long this movie was. It, it, it's too long. It, I mean, it's one of those things where they made some movies that were big hits for their studios. I mean, they, they the, the Matrix is a cultural phenomenon, you know? Right. Oh, for sure. And the Matrix is amazing. But sure. what that translates to then is like, you guys made the Matrix, uh, or you two made the Matrix. You two go make whatever you want, do whatever you want. We're not going to get you made the Matrix. We're not going to give you notes. And it's like, you know, sometimes they need some notes. Right. Yeah. The I think the reason they don't have checks and balances is a lot of people who've worked with them have said it's like they 
can finish each other's sentences. They're on the same wavelength constantly. So they don't fight about things. They don't argue over this needs to go. We need to focus on this character instead. You know, they're just right. totally in tune with each other. So they're not telling each other no. And I guess they impress the people they work with enough and are persuasive enough when they're filmmaking that the, you know, just, yeah, all right. Sure. Sound. Wow. That sounds interesting. Sure. Let's go for it. You know? right. mm -hmm. And then they don't edit enough. <laughs> that's the problem. That, and that's my problem. I mean, as much editing is in this movie, it's just there's still too much movie. Like the scene in Royalton's office goes on way too long. Well, after right. all the points yep. have been made. And all the persuading Royalton's trying to do has been done. Mm -hmm. Right. And and that, that's really what I mean is that, again, I, I think they, they are very interesting creatives. And, and I have certainly brought a lot of weird movies to this podcast. <laughs> and I think they make some really weird movies. And I think that's a good thing that moves forward the art and the genre and the style. And they brought new things to the table here just like they did with the matrix in some ways. Yeah. Um, push the boundaries, right? They do push yeah. the boundaries. I just, I, I wish it was a little tighter because sometimes I just feel like it goes everywhere. It's just too much. Yeah. It, um, it is just, yeah, it is. They have the clout to not get notes or to like turn down notes. Like, Hey, this needs to be, you know, 15 minutes shorter. No, we're not going to. Okay. Uh, right. well that's fine. I guess, uh, where you, yep. you need someone who, because I think it's like Seth Rogen has said, some of the best notes I've ever gotten on my work are from like people love to like really crap on like oh studio notes when they yeah you can tell when they're bad but every movie basically like gets studio notes and not all of them are terrible they can actually really help with the film and then when you have people who can outright reject any of them they don't want to deal with yeah you get overindulgent films yeah I would agree with that and you know Nicole. To start rounding us out a little bit, you had mentioned why did this movie flop at the box office in our discussion topics? And and yeah, I mean, how expensive was this movie to make? I gotta look that up first of all. Ninety-three million no, hundred and twenty million dollars to make, and it brought mm. in ninety-three million dollars yeah. worldwide. Whoa, in so. two thousand and eight, a hundred and twenty okay. million is an astronomical budget. No kidding. That is like what they spent on some of these Star Wars spinoffs in the last couple yeah. years. Yeah, that is like what Marvel movies now are getting made for. That's wild. So to me, I mean, my thought would be a couple things. One, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> like, it's not a great movie to begin with. It's fun and it's weird and I can appreciate it for what it is. But it, this is not a film I would leave the theater and tell my friends to go see. Uh, but I think the other part is that I think there's this weird element where it's made for people with a specific type of nostalgia that if you don't have it, I don't know if you can manufacture it. Like I didn't care. I didn't understand the monkey. I didn't understand speed racer <laughs> to me. I never grew up with any of it. It was just like, cool. There's a monkey and it's speed racer. And I keep going back to the monkey. Cause I think the monkey is quintessential to the reason I'm talking about this. If you watch the, the, the uh, cartoons, you totally get it. And you're like, yep, I understand what's happening. But the, the so I wonder if that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know, because the cartoons didn't think you were going to be watching every week. Yeah, that's the true. The plot of it was Speed Races and uh, Speed Racer Races. I think yeah. also, you know, this is five years after Matrix Revolutions, which was not the most well-received film uh, of all time. And then you have the, the people like, well, they made the Matrix movies and Revolutions kind of started getting torn into a little bit as the years gone on. So they're they're kind of star wasn't as high as it once was and then like the trailer for this comes out and it's a cartoon you know it's bright and it's crazy and it's wild and i think people were probably just like like why 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 would i go see that yeah i think it's fairly simple it's got that kid-oriented earnestness i was talking about but it's also got a retro feel to it which along with you know corporate espionage kids also tend to even though sometimes they really do like retro stuff i think a lot of kids are resistant to oh this is old you know or this is based right. on something really old why would i want to go see this mm -hmm. right 
somebody I read a review today that said it's a movie for kids with plot elements for adults. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. And I think that's that's part of it. And I think it's just I didn't dislike it. I thought I was gonna hate it, to be honest, because I had heard so many negative things about it. But it is it's beautiful to look at. Absolutely. It's absolute eye candy. Uh especially this the moment during the final race where speed goes drifting through a turn and the racetrack sort of turns into these swirls of turbulence. Yeah. And it's very psychedelic and it's just, whoa, wow, okay. So <laughs> all realism has gone out the window temporarily right here. And it's just, it's gorgeous. And I said, oh, ooh, ah, you know, they, like more of that might have been good or yeah some kind of it just it wasn't emotionally involving enough and the plot wasn't interesting enough to pair with the visuals sometimes i do just want to watch eye candy and that's fine um but it needs a little emotional support to it even if it's just make it really scary or make it really funny or you know, whatever the emotion happens to be, it needs to engage you that way. Like the fifth element is eye candy and it's big and it's dumb. And <laughs> yeah, but there's enough humor in it. There's enough peril in it. There's there's enough emotional engagement in it that I'm like, oh, OK, I can you know, I can watch this again. That's fine. Mm. And this one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I might watch it like one more time. Be like, hey, here, look at this. Isn't this an interesting curio? Um, I mean, goodness knows I loved the road rally race through the middle of the movie. That was my favorite part, especially day one where the, the queen comes out to start the race. And that's just yes. the most beautiful shot in the world. <laughs> that moment where she steps out off this on this high platform to start the race and this exotic background and everything you know it's absolutely gorgeous but it's not one that i think i'd be coming back to again and again yeah the the first thought in this movie was absolutely um the visuals yeah and in that yeah. way it <laughs> totally succeeds like the visuals are like on point throughout. Uh, it is a feast for the eyes, 100%. And then they had to write a script and fill in <laughs> the scenes in between the races with something. And they was just like, it's all just filler to get to the next visual feast. Uh, and yeah, it's totally yeah. not as not as compelling in those times when cars are not going fast. Yes. Yeah. Right. And and though I know Speed Racer has been a video game adaptation before, I, I believe there's one for this movie that the Wachowskis were involved in because they're big gamers. It felt video game adaption-y to me in the sense that, like, to your point, David, a lot of video game adapt adaptations where they fail is that they have this really cool visual aesthetic or idea that the game is built around, and there's just not enough plot to bring you from point A to B. And some video game, especially the early ones, something like Doom and stuff, like really struggle in that regard. Uh, they're getting a little better. It feels like every time one comes out, they're a little bit better than the next, but it's nothing still quite nailed it. Hey, I, you know, I, I think Sonic, I almost considered, I was trying to think of future classic movies. I almost considered Sonic um, for that very reason of like, it is kind of the best of the adaptations so far. It really um, is, isn't but it? Yeah, this is, this is an adaptation of a show that was all about racing and the racing is great right but it was never about the plot and, and yep. it continues to not be about the plot <laughs> that's right that's right and nicole a shout out to your last discussion topic here that you you admit to liking spriddle despite yourself yes. i feel that i feel yeah. <laughs> polly yeah. lit yeah i feel that is he's being very big very exaggerated mm -hmm. and he's he's just so charming despite <laughs> i can't I can't I help but like him because he's doing such a good job at being big and, you know, it's not accidental big like some child actors might be doing. You know, he's fully <laughs> in control of how expressive he's being and the tone of voice that he's using. 
and he carries it off so well, so well. So yeah. kudos to Polly Lit. I don't think he acts anymore, or at least not much. No. I think he's on the production side now. I think so. Yeah. But cool. good I, luck to him right in on. his future career. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that where it's like, uh, okay, here's the annoying kid character. It's like, ah, uh, mm. but, but you know, I, I'm okay when you're on screen and knocking people out with wrenches. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not, he's not nearly as bad as he could be. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Well, I think, I think a perfect note to end it on is as David said in her docket, car racing would be a lot more interesting if it was like this. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that the truth? That I would. Be, I'd be watching it weekly. Uh, NASCAR fans, <laughs> hi at MGRpodcast.com. Okay, even NASCAR fans have to admit, they're just going in circles on a on a <laughs> flat road. Give me this any day of the week. For sure. Uh, but yeah, I very much align with Nicole. Um, it's weird. I thought I would hate it. There are certain parts of it I really dislike, but I do appreciate what it tries to be. And I feel like I'm a little bit more well-rounded having seen it. Uh, I think this might be the only hole in my Wachowskis have not made a ton of films. No, and I think this is the only one I haven't seen. Oh, interesting. So I think I think I filled that hole now. So, with that said, next week, however, a movie all of us have seen, Knives Out. David, you are bringing that as a future classic. So be sure to check that out for next week. But we can go around the horn and see where we can find everybody online. David, where can people find you? Davluz, D A V L U Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Very good. And Unicol. I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Very good. You can find me uh, on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. And as I've said multiple times on the show, if you are either a NASCAR fan or a Larry Skinner fan, you can email us. <laughs> hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. Or if you just want to talk about Speed Racer, uh, give us any thoughts you have on this. Can we just talk about? Let us know how you're feeling about this new style of switching away from Netflix roulette. We'd love to hear about that as well but before my voice gives out on me we will close it up again speed racer and next week is knives out that'll do it for myself david and nicole we'll see you then